Welcome to the Chain Crew Podcast, powered by the California Youth Football Alliance, dedicated to honoring, improving, and advancing the sport of youth football across the state of California. My name is Steve Famiano. Along with me is Joe Rafter and Ron White. We are the three co-founders of the California Youth Football Alliance. And not only that, you're lucky enough to have us as your hosts for the Chain Crew Podcast. Uh, This podcast is going to be solely devoted to youth football and everything surrounding the sport of youth football, but we know football is such an encompassing sport and there's so many different levels of the sport. Every now and then, we're definitely going to bring in some topics on high school, college, all the way up to the pros. This podcast is a voice for the youth football community across the state of California. So we're going to be bringing in youth football players, parents, coaches, national guests, doctors, you name it. We're going to bring as much perspective as we can to youth football through this podcast to give you a better picture of the state of youth football. And I think we're going to kick off our podcast uh, with the best way possible, which is to give you a perspective on how the California Youth Football Alliance came to be. I'm going to hand that over to Joe. So, Joe, if you can just kind of give us the, uh, the summary of how we came from Save Youth Football into the California Youth Football Alliance I think a lot of people are really looking forward to uh, understanding how we came to be. Yeah, great, great question, Steve. So uh, I want to roll the clock back to uh, the Friday after the Super Bowl last year. Uh, it was one of the best weeks of my life because I'm an Eagles fan and the Eagles actually won the Super Bowl. First one ever. Uh, and all of that came to a little bit of a screeching halt on uh, that, that uh, the Friday afterwards where uh, Assemblymember McCarty posted what's called a spot bill that announced that he wanted to ban youth tackle football. Two weeks or so later, uh, about 30 of us got on a phone call organized by Chris Four out of uh, the Los Angeles area. We talked about what are we going to do? And uh, at the end of that call, Chris asked for volunteers and five of us raised our hands. Um, The three of us uh, and uh, our colleagues, uh, Jason Ingman and uh, Todd Bloomstein. And then we launched into an 11 week Roller coaster ride. We had no idea what we were in for. Um, we, our our name kind of emerged as the Save Youth Football California Coalition, and uh, God, what what a just the experience was um, was remarkable. I mean, it was like this every Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday night. We were on video calls like this, and just talking about what are we going to do next? How, how are we going to defeat this? What what's our strategy? You know, that kind of went its course. There's been a lot of you know press coverage on that. End of April, the week before it, the, the bill was scheduled to go to hearing, uh, Assemblymember McCarty pulled the bill and uh, we were we all kind of had a big exhale. Um, big sigh of relief because um, we, we thought that logic, reasoning prevailed. So I, I, I recall that like yesterday, guys, the, the three of us got on a call and we were like, what are we going to do? And we said, well, you know what? It's been 11 weeks of... 30, you know, 30 hours a week. Let's get some time back for our families. Let's reconvene in 45, 60 days or so. And sometime around the end of June, early July, we kind of got together and the three of us, you know, Steve, Ron and myself, and, and we started talking about, so what's next? We know that assembly member McCarty said he was going to bring the bill back. We also appreciated that this is a journey. This isn't like a, a one and done. This isn't just a one-time transaction. This, this, this topic was not going to go away. It was only going to be brought back in a different form or a different shape. And so, you know, I, I recall three of us engaged in some really, you know, critical conversations over that summer. Um, talked about, you know, what do we want to do as an organization? Um, should we get more formal? Should we organize ourselves you know, the coalition was awesome. Um, there were some pros and cons, you know, it was great because it was grassroots. You know, do we, if we become an organization, do we lose the grassroots? And, you know, through that, we decided that we wanted to definitely organize. So we get the benefits of that structure um, first. And secondly, we wanted to maintain our purpose and mission orientation. And so we, we officially uh, became a 501c3 in, in California in September of 2018. And then in October, Assemblymember uh, Cooper knocked on our door and said, hey, you know, are you guys interested in, in helping me author a, a bill that would put some safety standards in place for youth tackle football in the state of California? And uh, it was perfect because we were on that path. He was such a supporter of ours in the rallies. You guys recall the rallies back in uh, Sacramento. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he gave a 
you know, a remarkable speech. You can find it on YouTube. He was, you know, such a supporter. And uh, we had a version of the bill that we were working back, you know, in the April, May uh, timeframe of uh, 2018. And so uh, that was published on, on December 2nd. We agreed our mission. We put our values out there and our goals and we're up and running. It's been a wild ride and, and, you know, the relationship, the commitment, the passion, the, um, frankly, the brotherhood that I feel with the three of us. And we talk about this all the time, right? Can't slip a, pe- a piece of paper in between the three of us. We are like, I, I feel like I've known you guys for 30 years, right? Oh, at least. That's kind of how this was born, how it evolved. And, you know, it's uh, been kind of a little bit, you know, I, I really didn't spend a lot of time on where we're going, but um, uh, there's, there's no, outside of being a father in my home and a husband, there's no greater work in my life. Oh yeah. Here, here, Joe. Great, great job. I'll definitely second that Joe. Now, Ron, Joe gave us the perspective on how the Alliance came to be. What's your feel and vibe for where the organization is going to go and and the work that we're going to do with the Alliance? I I appreciate you teeing that question up, right? Uh, Joe, and you did a masterful job of, of how we got to where we are today. And it really feels like we're getting the band back together, if you will. Right. But but the next phase of us in terms of the alliance, if you look at our, our mantra, honor, improve, advance, th- those items are so important. What the alliance really has morphed into that from the grassroots movement is really a voice of advocacy for the uh, youth tackle football community. You know, we, we see our, ourselves as true representatives and stewards of the game for the youth tackle football community really with a focus on bringing awareness to both those inside and outside the sport, helping to educate and, and really giving all a true perspective in the advancement of the game as it is today. And, and really that is the core of what the Alliance is moving forward. And, and, and Joe is so correct in that what you're hearing now is, is just a continuation of, of the project that we've been working on going back to February of last year. Uh, and we're, we're real excited to represent the folks in California and maybe for the first time ever give the youth tackle football community a true voice of advocacy. Can I add on that? The, the, um, one of the things that I think is, makes us unique is, uh, you know, across the three of us, I think we got, I think we counted 79 seasons of football, of administering, coaching, playing uh, the sport of football amongst three guys. And, you know, I run a, football association in my backyard. So, you know, we're, we're walking the sidelines with our, you know, coaches, players, families, referees, standing on the sidelines of games. We have that boots on the ground thinking. One of the things that's in, in some of the work that we've done so far, and we're talking to, you know, some of these providers of solutions into the youth tackle football market. You know, one of the things that differentiates us is that we know what it takes to implement change and to implement new things into a seven through nine, first grade through eighth grade football team. That is not a high school experience. That's not a college experience. That's not an NFL experience. It takes a different type of solution, a different level of capability, a different implementation path, a different way of getting people to adopt some of these new ways of playing football. As we do that, back to Ron, you know, we want to honor our history absolutely positively. You know, I want to honor the sports made me who I am through playing it and coaching it, uh, largely through playing it, the life lessons that it's taught me. Um, and, and I'm deeply committed to honoring it. We want to improve. We want to improve just like we coach our kids. We want to improve every rep of every practice. And then we want to advance. You know, we're not just looking at this coming season. We're looking three to five years down the path. What is you tackle football going to look like in three to five years in the state of California? What should it look like? And how do we get leading practices in the hands of our players, our families, our coaches in the 2019 season? You indicated about advancing the game and honoring those. It's, it's important to educate those folks, too, because the game has come so far. The landscape of youth tackle football today versus, say, 20, 30 years ago when I first got into this, right? We talk about 79 years of walking sidelines. It feels like 179 in football years. It's important for people to understand the evolution of the game. And that's, that's really a cornerstone of, of what we're doing as well. Ron, I don't think there's anyone who can speak to that better than you. I mean, when you were playing, didn't they, didn't they wear leather helmets? 
Uh, actually, we had to save up for leather helmets. They were the next year, Joe, but thank you for pointing that out. Wait a minute. You had to save up for leather helmets? Did you just- uh, absolutely, sir. That was a luxury back then. 30, 33, actual 133 in football years. Thank you for pointing that out, Joe. Well, let, let's be careful now. We're making ourselves sound really, really old, like a bunch of old guys here, right? And, and, and we're not. We're just experienced, right? I'm, yeah. I'm going to put that in the wise, not old category, but thank <laughs> exactly. you for pointing that out. That's great. Correct. What, what people might not know about us and our group, because they don't see the behind the scenes, right, of what we've done over the past year. They've seen the results, but they haven't seen what it takes to get those results. And every now and then, we all do this, and, and I do this too. We like to play the devil's advocate. So this next question I'm going to ask relates to the overall scope and landscape of youth football. So there might be some out there in youth football in the state of California. Um, there might be others that, that may be in that anti-football side too. And they might ask that question. So why do we need another youth football organization? We have all these organizations already. Why do we need these guys and this organization, the Alliance, why do we need it so much now? Yeah, Joe, go ahead and take this and then I'll add some thoughts at the end for content. A couple things. Um, there, there's some things that make us unique. First, uh, we were the guys who defeated the bill before it ever got the committee. Uh, number one, um, that bill has been introduced in four other states, Illinois, uh, New York, New Jersey, and Maryland. And um, California is the only place where it died before committee. Number two, we're the, we're the only guys who are writing the next legislative act that's going to put safety standards in place while maintaining football freedoms. So we want to establish a foundation of safety standards so that, the, that our children can play the safest possible youth tackle football in the state of California while maintaining football freedoms. You know, we want to let people run their X's and O's however they want, but we want to make sure that, there, that there's a, um, a foundation of standards that are going to care for, you know, the future generation. Absolutely. We've been working uh, over the past 60 days um, is another thing that makes us, I think, very unique is we have over 55, I'll say partners, partner candidates in the pipeline of conversations we're having with third party providers of equipment, technology, software, the medical community, industry folks like Noxie and insurance organizations, right? We're taught we have 55 of those types of organizations in our pipeline. We've had conversations with over 30 of them already. And we're looking to vet and figure out who's really the leading practice in each of their areas. And what's what, what I'm seeing is that, is that, you know, each of these organizations are approaching you tackle football with a kind of a, a, a very focused, narrow lens. And that's because they're bringing a product or service or solution to the market. What we're trying to do is we're, is we're looking end to end and we're thinking like uh, commissioners of leagues. We're thinking like presidents and vice presidents of associations. We're thinking like coaches. We're thinking like parents and trying to say, what, what's the best possible solution or assemblance of solutions so that we're making this sport as safe as possible? In the coming weeks and months as we, we continue this dialogue, you know, we might be at 80 or 90 different partners. Now we got to constrain that and make sure we're not wasting time, but we also have to make sure that we're finding the very best solutions and processes and training techniques for coaches that are going to enable the, the, the sport you tackle football in California to be as safe as possible. No, you, Joe, masterful job of laying those things out. But if we can roll the clock back again, um, to add a little more nuance to that point, Joe, and thank you for mentioning football freedoms because really that's a cornerstone of what we're doing here. And I'll use a football term. When we were in the midst of, of fighting the bill, you know, it allowed us really an opportunity to self-scout and take a look at the landscape in California. One thing that became abundantly clear was there was really no centralized voice of advocacy to educate legislation on the benefits of the sport, the evolution of the sport, where we are now versus perhaps, a, I guess, an, an optics view in a very limited way. So where we're different in the youth tackle football space is that we're not necessarily a provider in that sense, but we're putting a voice to the community. 
we're, we're playing a role to, to hopefully reinvest in the community. And when we sit down with legislators and providers, as Joe referenced, and I'm so glad you mentioned this, we're doing it in a very California-centric capacity. Just to add to that, I'm going back to, this, to the rally that we had last year. You guys were in Sacramento. I was in Santa Clara. One of the things I said at the rally, youth sports in general, this is true of all youth sports, and, and it's, it's also true of youth tackle football, is a fragmented, um, very, very decentralized structure, right? There's independent team leagues, there's national leagues, but, but we all kind of do what we need to do. Um, most of it is a 100% volunteer organization, and most of the folks are in, in and doing that work, volunteering for the period of time that their kids are involved, and then they're out. So there's a lot of turnover. And so how do you establish and maintain that kind of knowledge that can be shared across the state of leading practices? That's a, a void that we want to step into. Football in California. Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm originally from Philadelphia. I ran a uh, football association uh, outside of, uh, of, of uh, uh, Philadelphia years ago. Different game, different parents, different sport. It, this, our sport is highly localized. The kids, the physicality of the kids, the, the structure, the, um, the focus, you know, the local community is, is a strong influence on the kind of football that's, that's played. And so we got to tailor for that. We also have to help bring some of these leading practices. And when we were talking to McCarty, Assemblymember McCarty, last year, we, we asked him why he was targeting youth. He, he, he referenced a lot of, of research that, was, um, uh, that came from uh, Dr. Uh, Bennett Amalo that basically said no contact sports under the age of 18. And so we asked him, we said, well, you've written a bill that's 14 slash 12, which is different than the medical right. research you're citing. What, what gives? Why? His answer was, would you rather I include high school? And our, our response was, well, well yes, because if you did include high school, you'd be, you'd be consistent. And frankly, the fact that you're targeting 12 and 14, it, it feels like you're picking on, you know, the youngest brother in the playground as compared to high school football, NCAA and the NFL. That's a that's a reason why we need a voice. We need a voice in California. That voice needs to be harmonized across the nation with other perspectives, for sure. But we need a voice in the state of California to speak up for our children, for our parents and for our communities. Some might say, too, well. All I got to do is call my local legislator, right? You know, that guy or that girl know, hey, don't vote for this ban bill, right? Well, why isn't that enough? Why does there need to be a more centralized voice? Is it because now that the state is involved in possibly wanting to ban youth football? So it's the youth football community is so fractured. All those fractured pieces would not be able to come together to fight Sacramento you know, fight the legislature in New Jersey or, or wherever, wherever this is happening across the country, because some might not understand that political process. Right. And they might think, well, all I got to do is call up my guy in Kern County. Right. And tell him, hey, don't vote for this. Uh, I'm good. I, I don't need an alliance to do that for me. So, so I'm, I'm going to give you four reasons. First, we talked about already fragmentation. It's a highly fragmented discussion. And, and that conversation, if we left it up to what you just described, every conversation, assembly member by assembly member, community by community would be different and in, inconsistent, number one. So we're, we're trying to drive some consistency across the, uh, the fragmentation. Number two, apathy. Quite honestly, you know, I've talked to a lot of my fellow coaches. There, were, there was a lot of attitude like, ah, that's never going to pass. It's going to go away. It's not really a threat. No one's ever going to get rid of youth football or tackle football. It's the biggest sport in America. It's a legitimate threat to our existence. And so we have to address the, the apathy. Third, the threat to, to, to football in general, by the way, this is not just you tackle football, right? This is a threat to football in general. When you read the headlines, spend 10 minutes on Twitter, look at all, all the articles that are coming out, particularly around Super Bowl time. They're basically saying football is bad. And so we, we need to, um, in this market, in this, and it's all bad because of, the, of, of um, head safety and what's going on with concussions. Concussion is a, in the head safety and what's going on in the brain, the study of the brain is such an emerging area, such an emerging area. I'm not going to go into the details on that yet. If you want to, we can go there, Steve. But because the, that medical situation of how to treat, diagnose, assess, a, 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 a concussion is so, is so um, rapidly emerging. 
That's the third reason. The fourth reason, it's a political process. And a political process can get can 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 go left and right and, and get Absolutely. you know get really, really um unwieldy really fast. And so we we want to try and harmonize um our voices because you know, frankly, when a hundred thousand of us speak up and write letters, we're a hell of a lot stronger than when 125 of us do it for my local association. And if I can add a fifth to that, you know, Steve, you were talking about the call if you're in Kern County. One of our strengths in this process, when you, when you roll back the clock again, right, and when we were battling the bill, for lack of a better term, is the know-how. There, there's not always a level of legislative know-how to combat those sort of things. When you look at our approach that true was grassroots, we developed a playbook that let those constituents know, hey, make a call, send an email, be active, take an active role. So the education piece on how you advance that sort of movement was critical. It's critical then, it's critical now. And to your point, Joe, the apathy, that's a great point, right? And, and a centralized need for a centralized voice is really a cornerstone, again, of, of what we're laying out for the state. Here, here's the other reason, quite frankly, why the three of us? Who are we? We're just guys who raised our hand and said, hey, we care. We want to do something. I, d- I don't profess to have anything special, any unique perspective. We don't, the three of us don't have a, a monopoly on anything. No. All we're doing is stepping up and saying somebody needs to lead. Somebody needs to take a stand. We're willing to take our time, volunteer, write our checks to get this thing going. Who, who did it? And, and, and we're going to need that army like we had last year with the, uh, the coalition. No. And, and to touch on that, and then we'll turn it back over to you, Steve is, you know, you ask who the Alliance is. Sure. It's the three guys on, on this, on this show, but beyond that, and more importantly, the Alliance is the youth tackle football community in California. That's who the Alliance is. Just to backtrack real quick, because I think this is an, a, a very important point as far as legislation. Um, Ron, when you and I met with, Lorena Gonzalez. Um, She was Gonzalez Fletcher back then. She's now Lorena Gonzalez. We met with her in her office in San Diego. This is so key in the aspect of why there is an alliance. For me personally, in this regard, because I heard it out of her own mouth, right? You know, we asked her why ban youth football? Because she was a co-author of the bill last year. The thing that she said to us was it was easier to ban youth football than regulate it because there was no real centralized voice, right? That that was pretty much it. No governing body, which we're not looking at. No regulatory agency, correct. There was no way to regulate it because there was nobody to go through and funnel things through, right? And I think that's one of the key aspects that, that we have now, us as the organization, including all the youth football community across California. Now we do have that voice and we have that connection to Sacramento now, right? We can be that buffer with Sacramento to the youth football community in the state. It circles back to what you said when you ask a very key question. Why do you need, why does California, why does the nation need another youth tackle football organization? In this category specifically, as as it relates to the Alliance, because no one's doing that work. No one is educating legislators on the advancement of the game. No one is taking an active role for what is important for the youth tackle football community in California. I can't speak outside of the state, but specifically in a California, California centric capacity, no one's doing that work. And it was, it was no more apparent than when we were battling a bill uh, to, to, to ban the sport. No one's doing that work. No one's educating legislators. No one's talking about the evolution of the game. And that's really the focus of the Alliance moving forward. Hey, Joe, I'm going to let you wrap up this segment. We're about to uh, wrap up here. We've got a few more minutes left. Uh, you want to give us some closing thoughts on the Alliance yeah. and, and the future? Yeah. So, so if, I'm, if, I'm a, if I'm a parent, if I'm a football coach, if I'm an administrator and I'm listening to this, uh, I'm, I'm hearing, okay, this is great, but, but what's in it for me? What do I get from this? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I kind of get what you guys are going, where, where you're going, and, I, and let's say that you like it. Well, he, here's, here's what's in it for you. Um, as, as Ron said, right, we're, we're, we're trying to uh, champion this, but you guys, uh, you know, the, the coaches, the players, the parents, the administrators, 
um, you are the alliance. And um, we're, we're, as we bring these partners to bear, um, you may think, well, how do I get access? How do I get a piece of that? How, how, how am I going to benefit? And I want to be clear, we're, we're on a mission right now from a financial perspective. We're on a mission to raise a million dollars. That million dollars is, is our, our intention is to redirect that into the local youth football community in the state of California um, so that we can outfit and build the future, the prototypical future youth tackle football organization of the future this year in the 2019 season. We want to have a minimum of one organization. I'd love to have three, one in the North, one in the Central, one in the South. It's going to benefit from, from that fundraising and us being able to package up and put the best, the safest possible game on the field. Role model that, show everybody what that looks like, and then, and then expand that over time, over the coming season. So that, that's the improvement piece. We're going to improve the 2019 season, and we're going to look to advance it over that three to five year horizon. Sounds good, Joe. Appreciate that, Ron. Also, all the great information. I know everybody is a little bit more informed now on exactly what the California Youth Football Alliance is all about. And as we uh, move forward here on the Chain Crew podcast, we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be back. And a very special guest is going to be joining us from Apple Valley, California. We're in youth football. And what is our most valuable asset as far as youth football goes, right? It's the youth football player. And the Chain Crew podcast is going to feature youth football players from across the state of California as our show grows because we believe without them, and I think we all know, we have no youth football. And we definitely want to get the player's perspective. So I'm looking forward to the interview coming up with number 43 from the Apple Valley Seminoles Youth Football and Cheer Program. That's coming up next right here on the Chain Crew Podcast. You're listening to the Chain Crew Podcast, powered by the California Youth Football Alliance. Visit their website at cayfa.org for more information. Now, back to today's show. All right, I'm joined right now by number 43 from the Apple Valley Seminoles Youth Football Program, Mr. Samuel Sheets. Hi there. All right, well, I'm glad you could join me today here on the Chain Crew Podcast as we talk youth football. And the reason I brought you in, I think it's very, very important that you, as a youth football player, have a voice in what goes on with youth football. You know, you always hear about the coaches and you hear about the parents, but I really believe you not just you individually, but you and all the other players involved in youth football across the state of California, all 100,000 of them are very important because without kids like you, we don't have youth football, right? Yes. So why do you like football? You get to tackle people. You like tackling people? Yes. You don't think there's anything wrong with tackling somebody? No. Why not? Because you could tackle them, and if you tackle them the right way, you, you won't get hurt and they won't get hurt because we both have the same equipment on. What do you think is the right way to tackle? The right way to tackle is under their waist, not over their waist. If you hit them over their waist, they could get hurt. What else do you like about youth football? You just get to have fun a lot. <laughs> you get to have fun a lot. But, but you got to tell me, like, What's the funnest part of youth football? Like when, when you go out there on the field and you have your helmet on, you have your shoulder pads on, like like what's fun about doing that? Because see, some kids, they don't get the chance to play youth football, so they don't know. So you got to tell those kids that are listening to us right now, what is so fun about being able to do that with other kids? The funnest part about doing that is like have making new friends and like just catching the ball and running the ball a lot. Now, something you just said, I think, is very, very important about youth football. We talked about tackling. We talked about catching the ball and stuff like that. That's totally cool. Uh, and that's a really big aspect of youth football, right? Mm-hmm. But you said making friends and having friendships and things like that. How is that part of youth football? It's part of youth football because if you don't have friends, you'll just be fighting over each other, like who gets the ball and who runs and who's being quarterback and stuff. So how long do you think you're going to continue playing youth football? Until I get into the NFL. Into the NFL? Yes. Really? So what NFL team would you like to be on one day? The Panthers. 
The Panthers. See, now, I wouldn't expect that. Now, why would you want to be on the Panthers? So I could see Cam Newton. <laughs> so you could see Cam Newton. Do you think that Cam Newton is still going to be playing when you get to the NFL? I think so. I don't know. I think Cam Newton might be like 70 years old then. No, maybe 60. Well, maybe 60. Do you think he can play at yes. 60? Well, he might be able to because Tom Brady's still playing, right? And Tom Brady's over 40, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what drew you to the uh, Panthers? Like, what, what is it about the Panthers that you like so much? They have some good running backs. Good running backs? Do you want to be a running back? Do you want to be a receiver? Maybe a linebacker? Wide receiver. What do you like about being a wide receiver? You could block for a running back, and you could get off defenders to make the catch and score touchdowns a lot. Well, I really appreciate you coming in the studio today here to be on the Chain Crew. I think it's very important that we hear from youth football players like you because we have to build the sport around you guys. If, yes. if you don't like youth football, there is no youth football. So as long as you keep liking it, I think down the road, that's going to help the sport, right? Yes. There it is. You've heard it from number 43, Samuel, Samuel Sheets. Sheets. Go ahead. You can say it. What's your name? Samuel Sheets. From the Apple Valley Seminoles Youth Football and Cheer Program. I forgot to mention that last time. They do have cheerleaders also. All right, Big Samuel, we appreciate you coming in the studios today. Good luck this season, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye. You're listening to the Chain Crew Podcast, powered by the California Youth Football Alliance. Honor, improve, advance the sport of youth football across the great state of California. All right, guys, uh, we're back on the Chain Crew Podcast. Steve Famiano along with Joe Rafter and Ron White from the California Youth Football Alliance. Um, you know, guys, in the first segment, we talked about the California Youth Football Alliance and, and what we're you know looking to do with the organization down the road for youth football in California, where that direction is going to take us as far as working with Sacramento and things like that. For those in youth football who might not really understand the state of youth football and and why it's here now, right? Because this just didn't happen last year in 2018. This has kind of built up to where we're at now. You know, and a lot of people live in their daily lives, kind of going through the motions, you know, sign their kid up for sports. They might not pay attention to the intricate details of, of what's happening outside of the sport, especially in the headlines and things like that. What What is it do you think that has got youth football to this point? Well, that's a good question, man. We've been working on safety and making the sport better for years. Um, you know, there's this, it, it didn't all just show up in 2018. We've been getting certified in training techniques and getting CPR certified and first day cert certified and, you know, working on you know, the game at the youth level. I mean, you know, in, in, in our association, I don't know, speaking for the football association that I run here in Southern Marin. I mean, we have Division One and former and former Division One and former NFL players coaching. I never had a division. I had a Division One coach in college. the 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 game is the techniques, the sophistication, the plays, they're, the quality of coaching, the quality of care, the quality of of the techniques. It's it's dropping. My local high school team that my son plays for. I watch those guys. Those guys work harder than I did in college. And the offense that they run is more sophisticated than the offense that, that my college ran. What we're doing at the youth level is equivalent to what we were doing at the high school level even better. I was taught the forearm shiver. I played defensive end, right? Coach says, you know, forearm shiver, Joe. Stick your forearm up in his chest and make a play. I, I was big, right? So I could get away with, uh, you know, my forearm shiver could be good or bad. But because I was usually the biggest guy on the field, I was able to make a play just because I was big. Not to interrupt you, Joe, but for those who don't know you or maybe have never seen you, you're like eight foot two. So you probably were the biggest guy. <laughs> I just I just know that because when I stand next to you, I look about three foot two, but we won't we won't even go there. right now. <laughs> uh, uh, but that, that 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 like, you know, what was your guys experience when you played? Like, you know, go make a play. I played a few yeah. years Pop Warner. I only played one year in high school. Um, but when I was in Pop Warner in South San Diego. If you needed to lose weight, they would wrap you in trash bags. Yeah. And back then, it was normal. You had kids running around the park practicing for Pop Warner football. And I'm not going on Pop Warner. That's nothing to do with Pop Warner, but I, that's just right. the organization I played for back then. Right. And there were kids 
running around the park wrapped in trash bags trying to lose weight. Would we ever do that nowadays? Ever? No. We shouldn't be doing that anymore, if anyone is, right? That's exactly that's that's nuts. That's not gonna teach, you know, like the 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 days of, you know, uh with you know, I had water withheld from me to make me tough. Sure. It did make me tough. It only yeah, made water me was a treat back then, right? Water <laughs> was a treat. It was an earned, it was an air earned intake, right? right. So Joe, I, I will say this though, that forearm shiver that you referenced, even out in California, I've heard of that, right? So so your uh, reputation precedes you. So I'm glad Steve pointed that out. But I, I really think it speaks to the evolution of the game, right? Uh, Steve, you know, I, I was on that end where you had to make weight, but I, I saw kids way back then having to put fishing weights in their shorts so they could make the minimum. The game has really evolved um, and, and, and playing. I played at the junior college level long enough to realize that's about as far as my journey would go. But when you, when you step back and you look at the game today through the RPO process or all the, the uh, innovations, um, it has come so far. Kids, kids now, you hear the term bigger, faster, stronger. Kids playing the game now that love to play the game are advanced young athletes. The system is more advanced. It's really not necessarily three yards and a cloud of dust. Yeah. It's, it's a different game, but it's, it's kept its, its core spirit. And I think that's really important, uh, and I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about that. So I, I was I was talking to some football coaches today, and we were talking about this this you know where the sport is and how it's advancing, et cetera. And one of the things I said is I said you know back when I played, there were skill positions and non skill positions, and the skill I didn't play the skill positions right. The skill positions were quarterback, running back, wide receiver, right? They were skilled. Every position on a football field now. Youth, high school, college, pros, every position is a skill position. The level of technique and, and capability and the way you block, the way you tackle can be so finely scripted, so very well detailed. It's not just about the biggest guy on the field anymore. No. Some of the guys I see in, in our association who, who are the best players, they're, they're not the biggest. Where I come from in Southern Marin, we're not, we don't have a lot of big kids around here. Smaller, faster, but not as fast as the opposition, but we got to be really technique strong because if we're not, we'll get blown off the ball. We'll get killed. It reminds me of football played at the highest level. Now, when you look at the NFL and you look at left tackles, those guys are athletes. They can get downfield. I, when I tell stories about my football lore, and no one really believes it, and I wouldn't believe it either, uh, I like to consider myself a skill guy. But really now in today's la- landscape, all 11 positions, each side of the ball, they're all athletes. Speaking of what we just talked about, all the technique and, and, and the advancement in the sport and, and the safety of it all and everything else, what, if you had that parent in front of you that said, I'm never going to have my son or even my daughter, because girls play too, play football ever youth high school whatever level it is what what would you say to them if they said that to you never they're never going to play I, I think it's important because that does happen in running an organization in, in the central part of california i have those dialogues all the time so it's not just anecdotal it's it's real world and what what i would say is that i wouldn't tell the parent anything i would be more interested in asking why do you feel that way and have an understanding of of maybe where their journey has been to take them there. I mean, let, let's be honest, guys. You led with this, Steve. Um, I can't open a newspaper. I can't click online without seeing some article about football. And, and to be honest with you, the majority of them that I read uh, are not positive. When there's so much positivity in the sport, I'd be interested in hearing why that parent feels that way. Hear them out not tell them anything, but then maybe perhaps educate them and ask them to give the sport a chance and tell them why they should. Tell them, tell them all the attributes. Explain the attributes of the sport. Invite them out. Have them come to practice. Ha, you know, organizations that are doing the right thing, and there's a lot of them out there. I'd say the majority. They'll welcome those parents out there because everybody's got to have their first day. That, that's the approach I think that's, that's really paramount to talking to parents nowadays. So there's two kinds of parents. First, the kids got to have passion to want to play the game. 
if you don't want to play, football is not for everybody. It's not. Football is not a sport that everybody should play. What I find is that normally I'm involved with a parent who the kid really wants to play. And typically mom is the one I'm having the conversation with. And mom's saying there's two kinds of conversations. Number one, there's a dance. There's like, well, I'm not quite sure if it's the right sport for him. And we're, we're, you know, we're a little not clear. And and I say, let me, let me guess. You're concerned about concussion and head safety. And they go, yes, I am. I go, let me tell you how, how we handle it. And I explain our head safety protocol, how we, we baseline kids, sensors, all that kind of stuff in, in our organization. Then there's the other parent that walks up and says, my kid wants to play, but there's, you know, I know he's looking at your stuff right now, but there's no way I'm letting him play because it's just not a safe sport. And when they say that, I tell them the exact same thing. I give them the same, like, well, here's who we are. Here's what we do. Here's how we do it. Right. Um, football is a family decision. When I'm talking to a mom and dad of, of, of a seven, seven through 14 year old, I tell them, look, this is your decision. I'm going to set the table and I'm going to explain to you, you know, why, why football is great, why I, I choose to do what I do and why I played, why my kids play, why I let my kids play. You got to make your own decision. And an informed parent is critical to, to the child's development, regardless of what sport they want to play. And so I try and also give them some education on, well, you know what, you should check out, look at this paper, look at that paper. I've referred them to uh, the, the opposition letter that we wrote last year because that had, that had 14 uh, medical documents in there, right? So I try and help them along. I don't pressure them because I, I always end up with, hey, it's, it's your decision. And I like to believe if your son's going to play, I'm, a, I'm personally from my football association is the best choice for him. But, but you're going to have to make that decision. To take that a step further, if I can, when you're having those dialogues from an administrator perspective or a coach perspective with, with parents, most often that conversation is one-on-one with mom. And moms are often the gatekeeper. They're the decision makers for whether their child plays or not. I think that's why it's so important to give that information to the, to the mom. Take the time to, to cover the things that, that you just talked about, Joe, and so many of the other things. Because quite frankly, a lot of that information is gathered either through television or the Internet. Um, and it's not always a clear depiction of what the sport is and what it has to offer. And really, that is safer now than it's ever been. Well, here's one aspect that I have a lot of discussion with people about in regards to moms, right? Because we'll hear from those who are anti-football that say the sport should go. One of the reasons it should go are the coaches, right? Those coaches, those wild and crazy football coaches, right? They're so demanding. They're, they're this, they're that. Go, go down the list of things that they say. And this is one of the biggest aspects that sometimes is overlooked. We're all volunteers for the most part. We're not doing this for any money. We're, we're doing this for the love of the game and the love of our communities. And when we talk about moms, this is so important. Who really runs youth football? It's not the coaches. It's not really the players. It's the moms. How many moms are presidents of leagues? How many moms are commissioners? How many moms serve on youth football boards? That's something that is not discussed in depth at all in the media or anywhere. If that message gets out more, I think some of this talk of how bad football is would definitely change because youth football isn't a bunch of guys with whistles running around dictating things to little kids. And the moms have a very key role in what happens with youth football leagues. I couldn't tell you how many moms who were league presidents and commissioners and and other board members through the Save Youth Football movement that happened over the past year. There's tons throughout the state of California. Yeah, to to make that point, uh, and and once again, moms are the the gate the gatekeeper for the sport. Make make no mistake about it. Um, You're right. And that's something that's not talked about nearly enough. And, and you're starting to see that role change. You're starting to see moms in commissioner roles, president's roles. Uh, we employed several mom coaches, if you will. I, I think their role is expanding and critical to what we're doing. And, and quite frankly, don't get the kind of credit that they deserve. I think it's critical to elevate the voice of our female colleagues, moms and players. And uh, every time I've done that, you know, I've done that at the board, um, 
you know, we've had a great experience and, uh, I think, um, I think we need more of that. We're, we're about to uh, come to a close here on this uh, first podcast, this initial chain crew podcast. Great show so far. Uh, we've talked about a lot of different topics and I want to close out with something that I think is very important because, um, I understand later on this week, uh, there's a, a very interesting meeting that's going to take place in Sacramento and we can't give too much information, but Joe, if you, you want to touch on that a little bit, cause I think most people out there are going to be uh, very interested to hear this. Yeah. So, uh, appreciate you bringing that up, Steve. Um, so we just got a confirmation this morning that, uh, we're going to have a, a meeting with uh, assembly member McCarty. And, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm thrilled. Um, you know, we, we, um, we're, we're very keen to be able to work with him. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that, you know, he's taken the, uh, the invitation for us to sit down and have a chat. Um, I, I'd like to partner with him, um, and, 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 you know, try and, and bring his, um, his voice, his influence, his, um, his partnership in this bill, um, as guided by us, uh, and the, you know, the direction of the, of how we're establishing these safety standards and football freedoms. Um, so I'm really optimistic. I can't wait to see him again and, uh, really look forward to sitting down in his office and, and, and seeing what, what his thoughts are for the, uh, for, uh, for AB1. Yeah, you know, it's it's been about a year almost now since we met with him initially. I know as the Alliance, we're really excited for the opportunity to sit down. A lot of things have happened over the last year in the legislative state, the youth tackle football state. So I know that I'm personally looking forward to that meeting. And, uh, you know, we have some really high expectations and we'd love to work with the legislation or excuse me, the legislator to, uh, to do the things that we want to do as the Alliance in a collaborative effort. We're looking forward to it. We we've always had that attitude from the very beginning, very first time that we, that we met him, but you know, we, we, we kind of said, Hey, look, let's work together on this. Let's not work against each other. Let's work together. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe he's got a different uh, uh, perspective at this point. Well, one thing I, I'm going to give him kudos for, I didn't have the opportunity to meet him last year. I've never met him in person, but I got to give him kudos on his bill, which is AB2007, right? The youth sports concussion bill. Great bill, right? Covers a lot of youth sports, how to follow concussion protocols. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due, right? So it's obvious he understands youth sports, I would think, right? Because you're not going to write a bill that's, that's, you know, that well thought through and and get it passed uh, to, you know, raise youth youth football safety and the other 27 sports that are in the bill. Right. So um, I think you guys are right. Um, It's a great opportunity for him and the youth football community, um, maybe in some regards to patch some things up right from the past year, because you're right, Joe, it, it got a little heated there for a while. Um, Yeah. And, 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 you know, that, that that happens, it's business, right? It's politics. Right. But, but, you know, we're, we're, that's behind us, right. It's time to move on. Right. Let, let's I, I would love nothing more than for him to, to become a partner as we honor, improve and advance the sport. No, great point. Uh, in closing here, I'm going to give you guys just a, a you know, few seconds to uh, maybe about a minute or so. Maybe give us some final thoughts as we move forward um, with the Alliance and with our podcast here, too. Any thoughts, any closing thoughts you guys have? Uh, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I, I uh, so uh, I've never done a podcast. First time ever. Um uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm looking forward to um, opening this up and, and you know, continuing to get uh, open the communication between us and, and our uh, football community in the state of California, as well as the partners that we're talking to. Um, we're, we, we're, we are going to make things better in the state of California. We're going to make youth tackle football the safest sport in the state of California. And we want everybody to, to, uh, to benefit and we, we welcome all conversations. So um, great channel. I'm, I'm excited to experience. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we get guest folks in the future and, and, and we really get some, you know, some more dialogue as, as we open this up, uh, you know, once we've landed kind of who we are as an organization. So uh, thrilled to be here. And, uh, of course, you know, to be working with, uh, with you guys in a format like this. Uh, I, I couldn't be more excited, right? First time for me, if you can't tell, first time in a podcast, but really, really what the podcast is able to do for us is it becomes a, a megaphone for us, although I dated myself by using the term megaphone. Um, and it gives us a chance to really connect, you know, potentially on a deeper level with all aspects of the youth tackle football community, from the, the legislative body to families to the very mom that we're talking about. Um, really excited about the opportunity. 
uh, stay tuned. We're going to have some great things coming up in the future. So let me clarify something before we leave here. I think this is the most interesting part of this conversation today. Ron, you've worn a leather helmet and you've talked through a megaphone. <laughs> well, as as we entered this call, uh, Joe did reference 79 years of uh, tackle football experience. 78 and a half of those belong to me. So those <laughs> items were useful. So hopefully they'll, they'll carry over. But thank you for pointing out the painfully obvious. <laughs> Well, well, the painly, the, the the pain, the most painful part of it, though, Ron, is we lost about ninety five percent of the audience when you said leather helmet and megaphone, right? So they're like, I, I understand, but that that five percent, we've we've got to own because they'll appreciate both aspects. Oh, that was great. You know what? That was an awesome way. Uh, you know what? That was the best way we could have wrapped up this first ever Chain Crew podcast. And I cannot wait till we get together and do some more shows. And, and that's going to be coming um, right now. I think we're on a monthly schedule, but uh, we might be increasing that uh, as this goes on. And, and I think this is a great avenue for you know us three and the rest of the youth football community in the state of California to be able to have that voice that we talk about right um what better way to get the message out you know because we are fighting a media and a narrative that is very anti football very negative sure. uh, football and you know w- we need to get the good word out about all the positive things, like you said, Ron, about the sport of youth football and, and all the great things that it can do for kids uh, that do play it uh, in our local communities. Um, thanks, guys. Yeah, we, Joe, one do you have one, thing, one more thing? I, Go ahead. I, I want to hear from our community, right? So um, if if you have feedback, you want to you talk to us, you want to engage, um, you know, right now this is one way uh, in terms of our broadcast, but um, you can contact us, info at org, or just go to our website. Um, there's a form there. You can fill it out and, uh, and, and give us your feedback, drop us your thoughts, uh, tell us what you want to hear. And we'll, we'll, uh, we will, uh, be all over it. Or very importantly, if you have a megaphone, <laughs> go outside of your house and yell. And perhaps we will hear you as well. <laughs> I know we need to go here, but is it, should I look on eBay for one of those, a megaphone? I was, I'll have one for the next, next podcast. You can be assured of that. And you know what? It's actually technology that he knows how to use, Steve. Uh, that's See, a very good point. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Joe Rafter, Ron White. I'm Steve Famiano from the California Youth Football Alliance. This has been the Chain Crew Podcast, our inaugural show. Uh, so glad to do this with you guys today, and we'll see you guys next time.